Hey, as you make your way to your seats, I want to welcome you once again to Providence Road. If you're a guest with us this morning, welcome. Uh, my name is Blake Hilgenfeld, one of the pastors here, and we are very, very grateful and thankful that you're here this morning. Let me, let me just say this really quick. Um, I had the opportunity a couple years ago to, to go to, to track camp, and uh, I, I could tell you that it, it was truly, um, you know, people say, hey, it was a life-changing uh, experience, whatever. It was a life-changing experience. To be able to spend just a few days with, with, with kids who are just being present with them is something that they don't have often. Um, there are people that come in and out of their lives and they're, 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 they're kind of transitioned from one place to another and, and uh, just having someone be there for a couple days to, to hear their stories and, and to listen and to, to cry with them and, and also to, to share the hope that, uh, that we're going to hear today that we have uh, in, in Jesus um, it, it's a tremendous opportunity, and, and it's only a couple days. So like you go down on a Thursday, you spend Friday and Saturday, and come back Saturday. So the commitment uh, is, is not a ton, but the impact is ginormous and huge. And so I, I really encourage you to consider uh, and pray about being a part of these camps. Uh, Kim and Ginger are going to be in the back. They'll give you dates. There's a lot of dates to choose from this summer. Um, and so uh, I just encourage you to, to go and at least talk to them and get some more information on, on track camp. All right, so uh, if you're a guest, we have been going through the book of Romans. Um, we've been going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, and so we find ourselves in uh, chapter 8, uh, verses 18 through 25. And so if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's one on, on your seat that's in the seat next to you. Verses will eventually be up on the screen. But I do encourage you to open up a Bible and turn to Romans chapter 8. If you need help, Finding it, if you're not familiar with the Bible, just go to the very table of contents. I'll tell you how to get there or ask a friend that brought you and they can help you. All right, so Romans chapter 8, let's start reading in verse 18. Paul writes this, he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. But the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Verse 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that your spirit would give us understanding. That, Father, your spirit would give us great conviction this morning. Uh, that, Father, as we look at your word and we see the reality of our world, we see the reality of its corruption, we see the reality of the corruption of our own hearts, uh, that, Father, that that would break us and would cause us to groan deeply. That we would groan deeply over the corruption that we see in this world, that we would groan deeply over the corruption that we have within our own hearts, but we would see the hope that we have in Jesus. That our future is in the hands of you, Father. And not only is our future in the hands of you, but we have this hope, we have this promise that you are making all things new. 
that you have this glorious future for us, waiting for us. And so, Father, as we just come to your word, we ask that you would just give us understanding and that you would help us to see the beauty and the greatness of who you are, that the beauty and the greatness of who you are would free us from the things in this world that we cling so close to, that we look for, for, for significance and security and satisfaction, but that we would see that you are our security, that you are our satisfaction, and that we would turn and look to you to find those things. So, Father, we ask that you have your way with us. Holy Spirit, come and move among us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I read this quote that has stuck with me ever since. And it's a quote by an author, uh, by a guy named A.W. Tozer. And he says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me say that again. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. As a Christian... I have found this to be true over and over and over and over again in my life, especially in times of pain, in times of uncertainty, in times of doubt, in times of loneliness, in times of grief, in times of suffering. Because what I have come to understand and what our text is going to show us this morning is this, is how we see God determines how we respond to everything else in our life especially in times of pain, in times of uncertainty, in times of suffering. And so what we need this morning, our our greatest need this morning is to see how big God is. What what we need this morning and every morning for the rest of our lives is really to to, to, to see this God-sized vision for our future. Because the reality is this, this world is full of man-centered visions and strategies to help us in this life. But as we're going to see, the only thing that will really give us hope today and sustain us in the good times and the bad times that we will face, many of us are facing them today, some of us will face them tomorrow, it's, it's the reality in which we live in. We're going to face difficult times and hard times, but our hope is found in the truth that we have this God-sized vision for our future. So in other words, our hope today must be built on the foundation of the glory and the greatness of God. All right, so it doesn't matter who you are this morning, if you're a Christian or if you're not a Christian, every single one of us is looking for hope. I mean, everyone is clinging to something. But our hope is always determined and built upon what we believe about our future, but more importantly, what we believe about who controls our future. And so if we find ourselves this morning, let's say, uh, without any money, and we're not able to provide for our needs, we're not able to provide for our, our family's needs, and we can't even, we can't even uh, fill the stomachs of our, of, our, of our starving kids, you would be in despair, wouldn't you? I mean, you would, you would feel this sense of, of, of hopelessness. But if there was this promise that one day soon, our check is going to come to provide for all of your needs, man, it would give you hope today, wouldn't it? Because you know that something good is about to happen. You will survive. You will cling to this truth that you will survive because you know that something wonderful is about to happen. And the truth for us as Christians, God promises something great is coming, guys. 
God promises that something wonderful is about to happen. God has a plan for your future. He has a plan for my future as a Christian. And it's huge because God is huge. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing that is waiting for us because God is amazing. So the question is, do you want hope today? You want hope tomorrow? You want hope the next day and the next day and the next day? It is crucial for us to see how big God is. What is this God-sized vision that he has for our future, the plan that he has for a future that actually gives us hope and sustains us in the most extreme suffering that we may face in this life. So that's where we're going to go. You with me? You ready? You want to find some hope? Yeah? Okay. Verse 18. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so Paul is dealing with present suffering, okay? He's dealing with our reality. He's dealing with the reality of Christians. He's dealing with reality, really, with all human beings. We all taste suffering. But he's saying that something good is going to come. Now, we're going to shelf that future just for a moment, all right? So we're going to keep that on the shelf, and we're going to look at the past, and we're going to look at the present reality that shapes our future that gives us hope today, okay? So let's look at verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the sons of God. So present, and also look into the future. This is past. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and attain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So this is what Paul is doing. He's pulling back the curtain. All right, so he's pulling back the curtain and he's helping us to understand and he's helping us to see, he's giving us an inside look into creation and he's showing us that the creation that God loves, the creation that he intended to create, to sing and declare the beauty and the awesomeness of who God is, is actually broken today. You see, when Adam rebelled against God back in the very beginning, back in the, in the garden, at the, at the beginning of creation. God subjected creation to futility. So God says to Adam in Genesis chapter 3, it's going to be on the screen. He says, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, not my voice, but the voice of your wife, and you've eaten of the tree, which I said to you, do not eat, but because you did, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, and thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. So ever since that day, back in the garden, when Adam rebelled against God, creation has therefore been subject to corruption. And it groans, Paul says. Today it is groaning. It is groaning to one day be free from being used for corruption and be used for glory because creation did not subject itself to futility, but God did. It was judgment towards sin. And so even today, as we sit here today, it's kind of hard for us to imagine this because we don't really think about it in this, in this way. But today, all of creation groans to finally be one day free to be used for glory, to glorify God, instead of being used for corruption. So what does that mean? It means this. As one author says this, the sun 
does not willingly like to shine on people who use its light and warmth to do terrible things to each other. So it's as if the son is saying, this is not what God made me for. This is not why the creator made me. He created to make me to, to glorify him, not to be used for corruption. And so it's like the, the rain, guys, does not like falling on, on the earth so that we can harvest its crops to lie and cheat and to fill the bellies of the greedy and starve the poor. That's not why the rain was originally created, but that's what it's being used for. The, 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 the electricity does not like running computers so people can look at pornography. The trees do not like to be inhaled by people who hate the glorious God in which they made them. That is not the reason, the intention that God created all things. And creation, Paul is saying that it groans. It groans to one day be be free from, from being used in this corruption in this way. And Paul is saying that there's actually hope that one day it's going to be free. Creation is, has this, this, this eager expectation, this hope, for that's what hope is. Hope is, is, is expectation. It's confident expectation. It's not wishful thinking in the way in which we as humans use that word hope. We usually say, you know, I, hope is like I wish. That's not what hope is. It's confident expectation. So it's groaning, but it knows that one day it's going to, be, it's going to lead to something good. It's going to to not lead to death. It's actually going to lead to to new birth. And that is what the hope of creation is longing for and that is as it's clinging for. Paul Paul says it's kind of like creation today is is like a, a woman giving childbirth. So it's in pain, but it knows something beautiful is about to come. I've shared this story before, but when Shanae was giving birth to our second child, Catherine, uh, obviously, she was in extreme pain. Um, I've never experienced that type of pain, but I can just, I, I, I've seen her and I've watched her. And so she was sitting on the edge of the bed and they're about to administer the epidural. And so she's kind of hunched over like this. And all of a sudden, this wave of pain comes over, this contraction comes over her. And she does what any natural person would do in that extreme pain. She, she, she reaches out and she basically bear hugs this nurse, brings her in, and then sinks her teeth in right here. So, so the, the pain caused her to, to bite the nurse, right? And so she was in this, this extreme pain, but it was temporary, right? Like, no, I don't know if it's temporary for the nurse. She still probably is dealing with trauma, pretty traumatic experience. But the pain was temporary, and it was going to lead, though, to something beautiful. It was going to lead to something great. It was going to lead not to death. It was going to lead to new birth. It was going to to, to lead to the joy of a beautiful creation, Catherine, right? It was temporary, and this is what creation is experiencing. It is groaning. It is is longing for that day that it's finally going to be free to be used for what is intended purpose, and that is to glorify God, not corruption. But guys, this is where we live now. This is, this is the reality. I mean, when you drive home and you look at creation, just think about this. It's being used for corruption. But that's not the reason why it was intended to, to, to be made. And Paul is saying, creation tastes its brokenness, and what is it doing? It's groaning, and so do we. Humans groan too. Look at verse 23. Paul says, and not only creation, 
But we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grow inwardly as we wait eagerly the adoptions of sons, the redemption of our bodies. Guys, as humans, we groan too, don't we? I mean, if we just stop and we look at the world around us, we see its corruption. And if we're honest with ourselves and we just stop for just a moment and we look at our lives, right? We look at our, we look at our past, we look at our, our present, we see the corruption in our own hearts too. And we, and we groan. And we long for something better. We long for something different. I want you to listen to these headlines. I just did a quick search this week. These are the headlines that's happening in the world. Just, just think about the corruption that is found in these headlines. Number of casualties still unknown from Moab, the mother of all bombs. North Korea says ready to strike U.S. aircraft carrier. Father of abducted teen speaks out after her return. Wheaton College mourns freshman killed during track meet. Pastor Yang sentenced to prison in China. Abducted pastor, still no word of his whereabouts. Seven Christians martyred in, in Egypt. 783 million people without clean water. 795 million people suffer today from malnourishment. This is the world that we live in. This is our reality. And it causes us, or it should cause us, and lead us into this insistent groaning because we live with broken hearts. We live with sick children. We live with our own sickness. We, we live with hatred. We, we, we live with, uh, with rejection. We live with people enslaving other people. And we groan, we groan because this is our reality. This world is enslaved. It's corrupted because of sin. And if you are a Christian here this morning, you groan over your own sin. You groan to finally be free from this battle within your heart to love God more than you do your flesh. You groan to finally be free and be in the presence and joy of your heavenly Father. You groan to finally be who you were made and saved to be and that is into the image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. We are being remade into his image but we're not there yet and so we groan. We long for the day that we are actually who we are made and saved to be and that is the image of Jesus. You groan over your kids you groan over the lostness of your kids. You groan over the lostness of your neighbors. You groan over the lostness of the city. You groan over the lostness of the unreached peoples of the world who today, millions and millions and millions of people have little to no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ and it should cause us to mourn. It should cause us to groan. As I was preparing for this time, I, I couldn't shake this, but I just feel right now we should stop. And we should reflect on the realities of our world, of the realities of our own hearts. And we should cry out to the Father. We should lift our groans to the Father because he hears the cries of his people. What are you groaning about this morning? What's causing you to groan? If nothing is causing you to groan, then maybe it's a really good time to confess the, the coldness of our hearts, the indifference of our hearts. But I'm also aware that there are many of us here groaning about something. And here's the news, that we have a great and glorious God who hears the cries of his people. 
So this is what we're going to do. We're going to just spend a, a few moments and either reflect on this world and the corruption of the world, corruption of our own hearts, and what causes you to cry out, cry out to your Father. And if you're not a Christian here, I just want you to, to reflect and hear this news that as Christians, we don't have it all together. In fact, we're pretty broken people. But the good news is, is that we have a great and glorious God who hears our cries and he's the helper. He helps us. And so I just want us to enter into this time of just reflecting for a little bit. I want you just to reflect again on the realities of the world, the corruption of the world, the corruption of our own hearts, and cry out to him. And then I'm going to close our time and then we're going to continue to look at the hope that we have in the gospel. So let's, let's, let's spend some time reflecting. Father, we cry out to you. Father, as we take a look at the world around us and as we take a look even within our own hearts, we see corruption. Father, we see that we are bent to love ourselves more than we are you, that we're prone to love ourselves more than our neighbor. And as we look at the world around us, we just see evidence of that. We see the evidence of of self-centeredness, we see the evidence of selfishness and we see a lack of a God-centered reality of our lives. And so, Father, we need help. We need you to come and make things right. We need you to come and help us, sustain us, that you'd help us to to make this world what it was intended to be and that is right and perfect that reflects you. And so Father, we just ask that you would come and that you'd meet us in our brokenness, that you would come and meet us in our corruption and that you'd come and you would offer a solution and that solution is found in your son, Jesus Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if this is where the story ends, then we would be in trouble, wouldn't we? Like, if this is where the story ends and, and there's no glorious future for us, then we would be a people of despair. We would be a people without hope. But this is not where the story ends. Because we have the greatest news in all the world. 
There is hope all because over 2,000 years ago, God came into our dark and broken world. The perfect image bearer of God, the, the one that we were really made to, to, to reflect and we were made to, to reflect the image of God. We don't have that image. We have, we have marred that. We have broken that image. We're not made now into that image because we have chosen to rebel. But Jesus Christ came into this world and he is the perfect image bearer of God. But he came into this world and the world hated him. The light of the world came into the darkness, but the world hated the darkness or, or, or loves the darkness more than the light, and we actually nail God to a cross. I mean, just, just think about the worst of you. Think about your worst moments. Think about the, the, the worst moments of your shame, the worst moments of your guilt. Some of that is still haunting you today. It was for the worst of you. It was for the worst of me. It was for the worst moments that we've ever lived that Jesus Christ came into this world and he took upon himself the curse of our sin and he took it all the way to the grave. But the grave could not hold him. Death could not hold him. And he busted up out of the grave and he rose with new power to reign over the evil of the world. He busted up out of the grave and he rose with new power to free us from the evil and darkness of this world and the corruption of our own heart. He rose with new power to free us from death and he rose with new power and a new promise that one day he's going to make everything right again. He's going to make all things new. He's going to make all things perfect. And so as Christians... Our hope is found in this person of Jesus Christ. The future, our hope is, is in the hands of this glorious Savior and King and Redeemer named Jesus Christ. And here is the future that Jesus is creating for you and me if you are in Christ. Look at verse 18. This is the future that he's creating for us. We don't have it yet, but we're waiting for it. He says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed for us. And so he's saying creation is longing for the day that the sons of God will finally be revealed, at, at which time creation will finally be free. But we wait now for, the, for our adoption that's coming in the future, and we wait now for the redemption of our bodies. And so what this means, listen very carefully. As Christians, our hope is this, that our groaning today will one day lead to glory. As Christians, our hope is, is that one day we will finally be free to enjoy the splendor and the beauty and majesty of God in all of its fullness, for that is what glory is. We were made as his creation to see and to savor the glory of God above all things, and then we were also made to reflect that glory, but none of us have, failed, none of us have done that. But one day soon, the promise that God makes to us is that we will be redeemed, finally. And we will have redeemed bodies that we will be able to enjoy the beauty and majesty of God forever, and so will creation. I mean, just think about that. If you've tasted his love, if you've tasted his grace, if you've tasted his mercy, if you've only had a taste of that, I mean, imagine experiencing that in its fullness where there's not any interruptions. It's unending. I mean, guys, if we only knew what it would be like to be in the presence of God himself, maybe, just maybe, we wouldn't cling to this world so much, right? 
I mean, maybe it would just cause our heads to, to lift up with hope and give us hope in the present suffering, knowing that one day soon God will redeem us and he will make everything right and new and perfect, creation and you and me. That is the promise that's waiting for us. And guys, man, I mean, just imagine this, that this future that God is creating us, this new heaven and this new earth called heaven that is going to, to that we usually call heaven, it's a, he's going to recreate and he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth and everything, guys, that we find good and happy in our lives on earth will never be lost. It's only the bad that will be taken away. So all the good experiences that we face and we taste and we enjoy in this life, God's going to keep for us in the new heavens and new earth that one day God's going to create. I mean, you're going to have the best redeemed body that you can ever imagine. There's one that's so strong and beautiful that will never, ever fade or decay. And there's going to be playing. There's going to be running. There's going to be hiking. There's going to be climbing. We're going to do this in perfect fellowship and love with one another, which I can't imagine what that's like. Where there's no selfishness, there's no self-centeredness, it's just love for each other. And, 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 and you know what is going to make this actually so beautiful? And you know what actually is, is better than all of this? That, that what is going to make us never be lonely again and never be sad again, but it's going to make us eternally happy is this, is that you will finally be tasting the unending love that you've only begun to taste in this life. You will, you will finally be tasting this unending joy that you've only begun to sample in this life. You'll be tasting uninterrupted peace that you've only begun to drink just a little bit because you're going to be in the presence of your Redeemer, Jesus Christ, tasting his unending love for you. Uninterrupted. I mean, you're going to be in the presence of your Heavenly Father, and there's just going to be peace and joy unending. This is the future that God is creating for you if you are in Christ. This is the future that he's creating only through the person of Jesus Christ. That one day we're finally gonna be free from the corruption that we all taste in the, through creation and our hearts itself. This is, the, this is the future that God is creating us and our hearts have grown for it today. Our hearts should long for this vision. Our hearts should long for this day that we're actually finally made into who we're always meant to be, and that is like Jesus. When we see him, we will become like him. But we're not there yet. That's waiting for us. So what do we do today? We wait and hope. We wait and we cling to this God-sized vision for our future. Because it's this vision of our future that actually stains us today. And it's this hope of Jesus that he holds our future in his hands and he's creating this glorious, this promise of this future for us that helps us in our present suffering, knowing that something good is going to come. Just hang in there, cling to Jesus. And it's this hope that actually sustains us and carries us through and actually motivates us to suffer in this life, our present life, our present reality, for the sake of his glory and his name. Because listen, as Christians, we're going to suffer. All of this talk about suffering, all of this talk about hope was actually started in verse 17. Look at it. Paul says, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. The life of a Christian is a life marked by suffering. 
To follow Jesus is this road of groaning, but one day will lead to glory. And so in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of following Jesus, in the midst of knowing what may happen to us as a result of saying yes to Jesus and following him, it's this God-sized vision of future grace that's waiting for us that actually motivates us to love him more and this world less. One of my favorite authors, John Piper, says it like this. If there were no afflictions, if there were no difficulties, if there was no trouble in your life, if there's no pain in your life, then what would happen? Our fallen hearts would fall ever more deeply in love with the comforts and the securities and pleasures of this world instead of falling in love with our greatest treasure, namely God. He goes on to say, suffering is appointed for us in this life as a great mercy to keep us from loving this world more than we should and make us rely on God who raises the dead. I've shared this story before, but before I became a pastor, I worked for this international sports company. And I had the opportunity to go on this four-country tour. I went to Jordan, went to Israel, Qatar, and the final destination was a city in northern Iraq. And I had struggled throughout that whole trip deciding actually to go to northern Iraq because in my mind I made it up. If I go, that leads to death. And so uh, we were transiting in Jordan. I had a decision to make. One, one door led to the baggage claim. I could stay and stay safe in Jordan. Or the other, the other door would lead me to a northern Iraq. And I told my boss who was with me, I said, I'm not going. I'm staying. I'm staying safe. I'm staying in Jordan. And I made this decision primarily because of the fear of losing my life. My desire to protect my life was greater than my desire to actually follow Jesus and even risk my life for the sake of his glory and his name. For the first time in my life, I was actually face to face with this question. Am I willing to risk my life, even if it means death, for the sake of his name and for the sake of his glory? And I said, no. I'm not willing. But you see, the Lord use this experience to show me what I truly treasure in this life. For it was the, the love of these earthly treasures, and they're good things. They're, they're my wife, and they're my kids. They're the things that God gave us. They're, they're good gifts. But I found myself loving and treasuring those things more than I did actually loving him and being willing to suffer all things for the sake of his name. Listen, it is a daily battle to follow Jesus if you're a follower of Jesus. It's a daily fight, guys, to love Jesus more and to love this world less. And to be honest with you, I'd love to stand before you and say that if that opportunity came for me today to give my life for the sake of his name, I'm not sure I can answer yes. But I want to. Like, I want to be there. I want to be at that place to say, yes, Jesus, man, I, I, I'm willing to, to let go of anything. I'm, living, I'm willing to do anything for the sake of your name. I'm willing to, to risk my reputation. I'm willing to risk my bank account. I'm willing to risk even my own life to follow you for your glory, for the sake of your name among all peoples. Like, I want to be there. And I want us to be a church who's there as well. I want us to be a church who has this God-sized vision. We are, so, we are so enamored and captivated by this God-sized vision for our future that we're willing to give up anything. Our reputations, careers, savings accounts, whatever it is, whatever we cling to so much in this world that we will be willing to let go of it just a little bit more and say, Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do to follow you. 
God, I want us to be a church who is willing to give our lives away without fear. That knowing if something happens to us, even if it's death, you know what? That's, is that that big of a deal? Because we have this treasure waiting for us in heaven. It's Jesus. Like, I want to be there. I want to go there. Do you want to go there? Listen, if we go there, we will find this. We'll find that he's enough. We'll find that he's sufficient. We'll find that he is actually what our hearts long for. We'll find that he is what gives us significance and satisfaction, not the things that we just cling so much to this world. But we'll find he that he is enough, and he's calling us to go because he's calling us to go down this road that's going to lead to suffering. It's going to lead to groaning, but one day it's going to lead to glory provided that we suffer for him. And listen, this is the promise he gives us. That our groanings, guys, will one day lead to glory. So I don't know what you're groaning in this morning. I don't know what, what your suffering is this morning. I, I don't know what's causing you pain. I, I, I have no idea. But listen, the promise is your groaning will one day lead to glory. That's the promise. That one day you're going to be finally free from your growing, groaning. And it's only going to be a whisper. It's only going to be a faint memory compared to being in his presence. Most of you, or many of you, probably heard this story before. But in 1873, there was this steamship that was crossing the Atlantic. And as they were crossing the Atlantic, they were hit by another steamship. 246 people died, including four daughters of a Chicago lawyer named Horatio Spafford. His wife, Anna, survived. But just two years earlier, their four-year-old, uh, died from scarlet fever, and then the fire, the Great Chicago Fire of 1871, financially ruined them. So just imagine for just a moment everything that you love in this life taken from you. One of my greatest fears is my kids being taken from me. And here he has daughters taken from him. Here he has a, a son taken from him. Here he has his wealth taken from him. And as he was crossing over the Atlantic, actually to be reunited uh, to his wife, Anna, which is really maybe the only thing that he has left in his life, he writes this. On Thursday last, we passed over the spot where she went down in mid-ocean and the water three miles deep. But I do not think of our dear ones there. They are safe, folded, the dear lambs, and there before very long we shall be too. In the meantime, thanks, thanks to God that we have an opportunity to serve and praise him for his love and mercy to us and ours. And I will praise him while I have my being. May each of us arise, leave all, and follow him. As he was crossing the Atlantic, he wrote those words, but he also wrote the greatest hymn maybe ever to be written in my opinion. And it's the hymn... It is well with my soul. And it says this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. 
Oh, my sin, oh, the bliss of the glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. Then listen to this. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. Listen, if you are in Christ this morning, if you're a Christian, this is your song. This is your declaration that you may be able to cry out this morning, no matter what you're tasting this morning, no matter the suffering that you face today or tomorrow, it is well with your soul. We will suffer, but we don't suffer like those who don't have hope. Why? Because the gospel, listen, the gospel is the story of God invading this world of despair and doubt. He comes to us and he gives us assurances today that what God started back in the very beginning and what we see at the cross of Christ and what he has started within us when we have come to know him and he's put his spirit within us that one day, God, he's going to, he's going to complete this future promise that we will be redeemed. That we will finally see our adoption that it will be, be declared, we will be finally be seen as his sons and daughters and all creation will be made new and we will be made new too and we will be made into this image of, of God who we were created to be. This is how big the gospel is, guys. It's not just the forgiveness of sin, though that is what is part of it. It is forgiveness of sin. We are no longer under the penalty of sin anymore, but we are being set free from the power of sin today through the Holy Spirit. And the promise is one day we'll be set free from the presence of sin forever. That is our vision. That's our future. And it's glorious. So listen, church, we're not there yet, are we? We're not there. And so let us cling to this promise. Let us not give up faith. Why? Because glory is coming. Let's not give up hope. Why? Because glory is coming. Let us serve well. Let us, let us love well. Let us be now, today, the image bearers of God through the Holy Spirit today because one day glory is coming and we're going to be made into the people that we were created to be one day. This is our hope. And one day when we see him, we'll become like him. Faith will be no more. Hope will be no more. All there will be is love. That's the promise. That's what we cling to. And that's good news. Amen? 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 Good news. But listen, if you're not a Christian here this morning, let me just say this really quickly. The road that leads to glory is the road of Jesus. There is no other road. There is no other road that leads to glory. It is only through the work and only through the person of Jesus Christ. And anyone who comes up to him, anyone who calls upon his name, anyone who confesses their sin to him, anyone who confesses their need for him, he is faithful and just in forgiving you of your sin and coming to live and dwell within you and making in you and giving you the promise of glory with him forever. And all of this, you can be received by faith. 
It's a simple confession. It's a simple coming to God and confessing your need for him. And he will take you off the path that leads actually to destruction. And he will place you on the path that leads to glory with him. All because of his son Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished for you today and yesterday. And all that he promises to do for you in the future. So if this is where you find yourself, I just want you to ask this question. What, what is your hope? What are you looking to? What are you clinging to? Are you your hope? Are, are, are you kind of the captain of your own soul? Is your future determined by you? I hope that you see, I pray that you see that Jesus, the hope of Jesus is better than any other hope that we can ever cling to in this life, in this world. Because he's better. And he is the only road that leads to glory. And so, on God's behalf, I ask you and invite you to come to Jesus and receive his work that he's accomplished on your behalf. And go down the road that leads to glory with him. The promise is this, guys. Our groaning will one day lead to glory. Our groaning will one day lead to glory through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. I just want us to take a f- few moments and just reflect. I want us to take a few moments and reflect on the promise that's waiting for us. And as we spend some time reflecting, how do we know that this is true? How do we know that this promise is waiting for us? And the reason why we know is that we can look back and see God's faithfulness in the past. And that even from the very beginning in the garden, that God has, has, has had this story, the story of redemption that he has been weaving in and out of all of creation, all of history. And we see one of the climax, really, of Jesus on the cross. And so... As you take some time and reflect, I want you to reflect on the body of Christ that was broken. And I want you to reflect on his blood that was shed. I want you to to imagine, I want you to picture Christ on the cross and his body being broken and his blood shed for the worst of you. The worst moments of you. And it was there on the cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sin that your sin will never ever be counted against you if you are in Christ. So just, just picture that. Picture just the, the waves of grace washing over you, the, the, the waves of, uh, of Christ's blood washing away all of your sin to where your sin will never ever be counted against you anymore because it was counted against Jesus Christ on the cross. You see that? You picture that? You find the hope in that? That one day when you go and you be with the Father, you will hear the words, I do not condemn you. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What you will hear is you are accepted, you are loved, and you are forgiven. So I want you to, I want you to celebrate and reflect that, but I also want, to, I want you to think about this future coming. 
that one day sin will be no more. That you're longing for, for the Father right now. You're longing to be in His presence. You're, you're longing to taste His love in a deeper way. You're, you're longing to taste the joy that comes from knowing Him. You long to taste the peace that comes over your soul about being in His presence. That one day that's going to be uninterrupted. That you will have that forever because of what Christ has done on the cross. That one day you're finally going to be free from the presence of sin. The penalty of sin is no more for you. The Holy Spirit setting you free from the power of sin today. And one, one day, the presence of sin is finally going to be taken away. So if you are clinging to Jesus this morning, if he is your only hope, then I want you to spend some time reflecting on that. And I want you to celebrate who he is for you and what he has done for you. And I want you to cry out to him in giving thanks. But listen, if you're not clinging to Jesus, if you're looking to something else for hope, then I want you just to stay where you're at I don't want you to come up. This is a family deal. This is for those who are clinging to Jesus as their only hope. But listen, the invitation is still there. That you return from whatever it is you're hoping in and that you put your hope in Jesus Christ because I'm telling you again, he is the only hope. He is the road that leads to glory. And no matter what you have done in your life, no matter the worst of you, his grace is big enough to wash away all of your sin and forgive you of everything that you've done but you look to Christ as your only hope. You look to Christ as forgiveness of sin. You look to Christ to be your future, to be your righteousness, to be your redemption, and he will be. And if that's you and you cling to him and you call upon his name, then I want you to come and celebrate by taking the Lord's Supper. But if that's not you, then just continue to ask that question. What am I looking to for hope? And stay where you're at. So when you're ready, come. There's two stations in the front. And there's one station in the back.